Trust him, you were. 
nothing can take this from us he's alive in us further up and further in you were always good further up and further in further up and further in Amen. Amen. Wow. You may be seated. All right. Just a little debrief off the morning worship. So we came into our space together, and, and you, feel the first, you feel the first bump. You know, uh, you can feel it in the spirit, and um, probably about three or five minutes in, we, we come up against that. It's like a field, you know, that's sitting in front of us, and we successfully 
push through that dimensional space together. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, we got through that. And you, what you'll have happen is really what we're wanting to do here, in the words, just like model this on even from, because we're growing together, but there's a modeling that's happening here about prayer and intercession and the spirit and how to walk with the spirit. And so <clears throat> Psalms 110, one says, and the Lord said to my Lord, sit until your enemies are made your footstool. And, you, and you'll experience this, um, you know, throughout your week, but especially here corporately. Uh, and when you experience your enemy being made your footstool, you'll feel this peace settle in. You'll feel like a rest come on your person. And then uh, we experienced that corporately this morning. And then, then there's a release of the scepter. You begin to release the word of the Lord and rule in the midst of your enemies. Uh, you, you really don't want to talk a lot um, when your, your enemy's all around you, surrounding you. You want to come in a place of stillness, you know, worshiping the Lord for breakthrough. And then you come into... Uh, a place where you have authority in the spirit and then you begin to proclaim the word of the Lord out of your mouth and so you begin to experience that the thing that you can't fix for yourself and I can't fix for myself what Psalms 110:3, and your people shall volunteer in the day of your power and the beauty of holiness you have the dew of the morning and so the thing that we're looking at saying we've got to get this provision protection or direction we can't solve that problem for ourselves the Holy Spirit gives divine information in the scepter after your enemy comes under your feet. You receive the prophetic word of the Lord and you declare it and you say, this is what the word of the Lord is over me and my family, over the situation that, um, that's become an enemy to me. Then the Lord sends in the volunteer. He'll take care of your provision. He'll take care of your protection and he'll take care of your direction. The Lord always works in those three places for us. The pressure and the squeeze that you and I are going through usually is related to only three things. G generally speaking, it's related to your health, it's related to your finance, your provisioning, it's related to your relationships. And so the Lord wants to bring freedom for you in, a, in those three areas. So when the squeeze starts to happen and you feel the pressure, your enemy's at the door, wait. The Lord said to my Lord, what, what is that about? It means I must look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. You don't set your eye on the, the protective issue related to health, the provision issue related to uh, your wealth, and you don't set your eyes on the relationship. The enemy wants to draw fire on you and get your eyes off of the Lord so that he can keep you in a place of adversity. And the Lord says, no, the Lord looked at the Lord and is saying to us, look unto me, the author and the finisher of your faith. I'm the one who's ordained this. And then would you begin to look up to the Lord? Romans chapter 4, verse 18, and Abraham hoped against hope. If you study that in the Greek, it means that he had one hope in Sarah's womb. He had the other hope in God. And when he began to look at the direct object, you can study it in the Greek. When he looked at the direct object, which was God, Sarah's womb was impregnated. The enemy wants to keep you and me beat down. He wants to keep us projected onto the situation of our need, our, our, our whatever those three areas, get us focused on someone else. Get us focused on our need of provision or get us focused on a health-related issue and draw us off of looking unto Jesus. You set your eyes on the Lord. Boom! 
Release the scepter. Release the word of the Lord that comes out of your mouth and watch your enemy have to flee and come off of his point. Uh, this is just the offertory beginning. So I'm excited about today's message out of Luke. And John, if you want to come on forward, um, so he's going to take an offer for us. But look, while he's coming forward, Psalms 110.3, your people shall volunteer in the day of your power and the beauty of holiness you have the dew of the morning. Life giving transcendence and the person that you've been trying to get on your side or whatever and get this fixed and you can't resolve your conflict. All of a sudden, why all of a sudden are they being so amiable to me and helping me and this situation resolved itself? Why? Because you got a word from God and you're ruling in the midst of your enemy. Psalms 110.4. And you are a priest forever after the order of Jesus' order, Melchizedek. Now you've stepped into a king priest to mention Psalms 110.5. This is the part I wanted us to get into more this morning. But, and he shall wound the heads over many countries, <laughs> you know, and he shall fill the places with dead bodies. And that might be hard for some of us theologically, but the Lord wants to upend world empires and systems that don't exalt him. And he's using us as offensive tactical weapon against the forces of evil that have arraigned themselves in our nation and the nations of this world so that we in prayer are authorized by the Lord to release Holy Spirit divine initiatives to un- stop abortion, stop every uh, covenant, non-covenant making act to stop this stuff in our land and, and even the Lord even if he has to, will bring an authority from his sword if someone resists him and turns against us and they fill the place with dead bodies. This is going to happen when the word comes back, Psalms 110.7. And the Lord shall drink by the brook in the way, therefore he shall lift up his government. That's us with him in partnership with him. Psalms 110, the most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament quoted by the apostolic team. Why? Because it is our battle uh, anthem. Seven verses. And we use that and we, we have a uh, this is what we want to see happen in these meetings. And watch this. The voluntary army, we are going to reap a harvest of souls. And they will be brought in from the highways and the hedges. The Lord will, as we partner with him for inheritance, compel them to come in so that his house may be full. There's your volunteers, and they'll volunteer because once the Lord begins this thrusting into the sickle, you'll see a voluntary army because they will not be entrained in the religious, even what's called the Christian religious system. There will be a remnant offspring of a royal family, and we will not have to teach them. They will just instantly know him as we know him. Let, their, let our ceiling be there for. Amen. Bless you, John. So, God bless everybody this morning. I want to say this to you again. What happened at the very end was those two boys were running in circles. At the bottom down here, they were all rising and fresh with the Lord. Yep. They brought God great pleasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they came even in their little spirits, their hearts, and they arose and fresh. That's been many, many years in third world countries. And the one thing I love about every one of them was this: the children. I could be, I could be in a, in a church in 
I'll consecrate the game to this house. And, and one of the books in um, the seven in the book of Revelation, the seven churches of Asia. It, they were it was one of the churches there, and I just got this part of it, and so I studied it. I could go back and look real quick, but I'm not going to. They were testing. There were many people calling themselves apostles, but this one church were testing the apostles, and some of them he found to be lying. I tell you this from a lot of years in ministry and a lot of testing, as I find the soil here to be that of apostolic ground. Makes you want to cry and speak in tongues at the same time. But I can smell, you know, I grew my grandma had a foul farm, and I know what good soil smells like. So I just want you to reach down this morning in the realm of the spirit, because we're on good soil here this morning. Yeah. And ask God, what it's like to sow it in the soil? What, what is it, Lord, that'll bring a harvest? Not only a harvest to souls right out here, but a harvest of provision to this house and to our person into into our into our personal lives. So uh, Friday, as I was praying, you know, in all the scriptures we see when when angels show up, there's one thing you should really do, and that is inquire of them, say, why are you here? Because they always have a mission, and they always show up for a reason. Hmm. They just don't show up, they're pretty to hang out. Swirls of light Friday, and I and and I have given this over 27 years. I've given this word two other times, and I and I, I began to ask an angel that I'd never seen, like I'd felt there before, or had been a long time. I said, "Why are you here?" And he said, "He said Acts 10." And so I, I really want you to try the word before you bring an offering, but I also want you to understand that I believe that this runs through from today till the end of November. And this is actually what happened in Acts 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who was, who was feared by feared God. That's key, isn't it? And one who feared God yeah. with all his household. I'm going to stop and ask you this morning because I feel like the Spirit's prompted me to me. Do you fear God over your finances? I mean, I, I've seen a lot of supernatural things. And I've seen multiplication, I've seen multiplication and multiplication and multiplication of things. But I believe that's in the soil here also. One of the, one of the seven spirits of God, the last one, is the fear of the Lord. When God asks Cameron and I to sow into some place, I humbly submit to you that it scares me not to. I have that fear of not being obedient to what he asked me to do. With all his household who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. He gave alms, Cornelius gave generously and prayed always. 
about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in, coming in him and saying to him, to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And, and this is what he said to him. And he said to him, Your prayers, listen to me, your prayers and your alms, your giving, has come up as a memorial before God. I believe that. I believe that God brings our prayers. I can talk about Revelation 8 and prayers, not going there. But our prayers, you see there that our prayers continually come before the altar of God in Revelation 8. And he answers them with thundering lightning. But in this scripture, he's saying, Your prayers and your giving have come. I shall break through, God says. I shall break through. Put aside your fear. Put aside your fear. I shall break through. I shall break through. I shall break through. Put aside your fear. Put it aside. Now send a man to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two, called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. I plan on stopping there. I'm, I'm going to tell you about me and the spirit of Peter. I got really badly hurt uh, 28 years ago. And this arm was hurt. They told me I was never going to use it again. I finally uh, got a pretty good job, a sales job. And I couldn't write with this hand. I was writing with my left hand. And uh, I started, the Lord said, I want you to go to this church in this town. It's 60, 70 miles away. But I wanted, uh, you know, I'd fallen away. And God was giving me a way back. So I wanted to be obedient. So I show up there. In the morning, I show up. There's a couple down front. They don't have it. It's close to Christmas. They don't have any heat in their house. They don't have any food for Christmas or anything else. And I, I have $70 left in my entire name. So I have. And I just got a job. I'm going to get $300, 50-week draw until I make commissions. And I said, you know, Lord, I'd like to give them something. I want to carry $5 down there. He said, you're not carrying $5 down there. He said, you're carrying half of everything in your pocket down there. It terrified me. I've got to drive to work all week. I've got to have gas money. I've got to do all this other thing. He said, you want me to be your provision or not? And he can talk to me pretty much. I said, okay. I said, okay. But it terrified me to carry that $35 down there. Two things happened that one I'm still there. Thank you. 
Amen. Let's all stand and turn to Luke chapter 1. And we will begin in verse 18 this morning and go through 25. That's Luke chapter 1, beginning in Luke 1, 18. <clears throat> Thank you, John, for that word. Uh, that, was, that was awesome. I love to hear stories, I, and I, I'm, I'm sure many of you have these great, beautiful stories of provision. It's such a blessing when the Lord meets us in our provision and really takes us to another level in blessing. <clears throat> Luke chapter 1, verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure of this? For I am an old man, and my wife is old as well. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will, you must, you will be silent, unable to speak, until the day these things take place. Now the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they began to wonder, why was he delayed so long in the holy place? When he came out, he was not able to speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the holy place because he was making signs to them and remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was over, he went to his home. After some time, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months she kept herself in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me at the time when he has been gracious to me to take away my disgrace among the people. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit power. We know that Paul wrote, How would they know unless a preacher is sent to them? How would they believe? And Lord, there is something in the preaching of the gospel that brings life and vitality to our very, very, very substance of our person. We need your word. We need to be before your word. You are the living word. And I ask you this morning that you would cause a life to come out of this message that you would take my own human weakness and even foolishness, Lord, and turn it into something that would be savory and beautiful and life-giving to this, your flock, Lord, and you would bless them. I pray this word that would go into our hearts and nothing would steal it from us, that no enemy would take our precious seed that's implanted this morning. I pray that our ears would be open and our eyes would be illuminated to see what it is that you're saying by your word. In your name we pray, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Holy One of Israel. Amen. You may be seated. I particularly, you know, and we've been in this series, and, well, I told Stephen this week I didn't really want to call it a series, but... 
But welcome, welcome to, and I, and I sent you out, uh, you should have received an email, and if you, if you didn't receive an email from us and you want to be on our email, speak with Kara at the end of the service so that you can be a part of our email sendouts because, and I don't know if many of you read what I send out to you, but um, there's some good material there about what's forthcoming. And on Monday, I was before the Lord, and I said, Lord, <clears throat> uh, what's going on with us because... We never know because we follow Jesus, so we just follow the Holy Spirit, so we don't really know, and there's no projection forward in this ministry unless Holy Spirit leads it. I was sitting before the Lord Monday, and um, I had a friend of mine call me out of town, and he said, the Lord just told me to call you, and I said, why is that? He said, because you were asking for some help, and I, and I mean literally calls me right when I'm saying, I need to understand, Holy Spirit, what's about to come for this ministry I have a rough understanding. The Lord said, gather unto me my remnant. I'm going to convert a multitude, 10,000 or greater. Let the number be the essence of what it is. But bring forth a multitude of converts. And I was like, no one could mobilize that. No one could make something like that happen. It would have to be run by Holy Spirit. And so we're all dependent on him. And whereas I used to not like dependency, I'm getting where... It's becoming more comfortable and to say, I don't know. So I was there before the Lord, and I said, I don't know. He says, I know you don't know. <laughs> he knows that we don't know. And it's not what you know, it's what? Thank you, Daisy. It's who you know. There's an interaction with Jesus, my friend calls, and he starts running national and international issues through my ears about what's going on in our nation, in D.C., in Portland, and. Uh, overseas with earthquakes and everything and he said something's going on with the deeps of God in the in the throne room and the water flowing down out of the throne room and I was telling him about the darkness and what the word had shown me that light's going to break forth on the end time remnant and a lightning bolts are going to come out and the word's going to scatter his enemies and we kept on going through it and I get off the phone and the word tells me he said call it black lightning and I said Okay, I don't know what that is. I type in black lightning and up comes a, a comic book hero from 1977, a, a, a black man who's called Black Lightning. I didn't know. And I thought this is, you know, really incredible to me. And <clears throat> I get home later that evening. I'm preparing the email to send it out to all of you. And I said, is it advanced the black lightning? Is it black lightning advanced? What is it, you know, because words are important um, to me, uh, as so many of you may see that, and it matters to him. Um, and he says, call it the project black lightning. And I was like, well, what is that? And he said, you know, like Area 51. How many of you are familiar with Area 51? Maybe like two or three. That's our top secret facility in uh, use it for the Air Force and some NASA guys and Skunk Works. That's where we built like the SR-71 Blackbird. Who's familiar with SR-71? All right. Got some more hands going up. Major reconnaissance aircraft zooming out at like Mach 5 plus out on the outer atmosphere. 80,000 taking pictures with a manned space flight. Really amazing aircraft comes out in the 50s, and we run the Cold War with that aircraft. It's not in service today, um, though. <clears throat> and the word's like, it's a project called Black Lightning. 
And so they, they call those, they call their projects, when they build something of that capacity, they call it a project. And then they'll, they'll work on something. They bring all these engineers and uh, analytical mathematicians, and they, they're called pointy heads in the Air Force. That's what we call all the smart guys, pointy heads. It's like, I don't know how you got your head pointy, but it's just like he's a pointy head. He's so daggum smart, and nobody even knows what he's saying. He's running math calculations and scientific and particle physics and, you know, all this stuff, you know. And so those guys get together, and, and they build something. And there's some projects going out there. I don't really know what they are because I don't have a top-secret secret clearance. You know, I, I used to have a secret clearance, but not a top-secret. And I said, okay, so it's Project Black Lightning. And, and the Holy Spirit comes to me, and he says, I'm, about, I'm, I'm inviting these people into the fifth dimension. Now, I, I want to lay just a structural foundation for this. Um, Stephen and I were in a meeting back in 2015, and... I would invite you to listen to um, a podcast called Tesseract. Um, how many of you listen to that podcast or know what I'm about Tesseract or what I'm about to talk about? Okay, some of you have listened to that. And what happens in that, and just go really quick on this, um, I come up against a silver lining. I've never been there before. Uh, in the spirit, I'm just, you know, regular fella, just living life every day. We're jettisoned into the spirit. I see this silver, milky white substance. I'm in a meeting with other people, and I, um, I'm like, well, I'm going to stick my head in it. So I stick my head into the silvery lining. Hey, if this is off your radar, it, it was off mine as well. So I just want to, if, if this is something you've never heard before, just trust me, it's something I had never experienced before. I, I mean, just like a one, two, three kind of person, you know? I like things... I've learned things in the natural most of my life. So I'm in there, and I stick my head in there, and all I see is like this blackness and lightning, kind of shining lights going off in the darkness. And then I feel the people that are in the room that they need healing. And the Lord loves the people so much that he, I'm like, boom, I want to go up into the heavens. He's like, no, I want you to go and minister to my people. They need healing right now. So I like take my head out of this place. I'm back in my seat. I'm like, how am I in my seat? You know, and I'm looking around at the people and the words like, I want to touch that one with this and this and this and bless them. So next day, Stephen, and there we go off. And there it is again. I'm like, just thinking, how could it be possible to have another experience like this? There's a silvery lining. I get into it and um, I realize that you can kind of open it up like this. I put it out like this and I have my legs out like this. Y'all ever seen that picture of that Da Vinci man? I start spinning in this thing, and I said, Lord, is this what you call me to do for your people? I'll be the guy that'll spin in the hole. I'll just be that guy. And, you know, I'm like, oh, we'll be that guy. And the Lord's like, no, give a, tell the angels to come hold it open. And I was like, okay, I know you might not believe this. I wouldn't either. But read 2 Corinthians 12, Okay. And what's interesting in the fourth dimension is Paul says this, whether in the body or out of the body, he didn't know. And what it is is when you get into the next dimension, when you go into the ne that dimension, you, you're in yourself, but you see yourself in yourself. It's very interesting because you're like looking through your own eyes, but you're outside looking at yourself. It's very fascinating. I'm spinning in it. I just, he says, speak in tongues, you know, because there's a tongue of what? Men and what? Yeah. <laughs> it's right there in the Bible 
and I'm like sort of freaking out because I need Bible verses to support everything that I do because I think I'm losing my mind. Maybe I was. Paul said if he loses his mind, it was for God, but if he found it, it was for everybody else. (laughs) Hey, listen, I'm going to get back to Zechariah. Don't you worry. I'm in the text this morning. I've got a reason for this. So I like climb up into this space and all of a sudden a golden ladder appears. Anybody ever heard of Genesis chapter 28, Jacob's ladder? There it was. And I was like, I'm getting up on that thing. I mean, I'm in the room with some people that know how to take risk, right? I mean, that's why we're all here, right? We're risk takers. Okay, if you're not, it's okay. But most of you are. I'll risk everything for the Lord. I'm like, I'm going to go get on that ladder. So I go to climb up this ladder, and this big thumb and index finger comes down. The thumbnail is, and the, the fingertip is as big as my whole body. It comes down. It's got this little cube, and it's shining blue. And I reach up my hand, and this is what I said to the Lord. I said, I need a Bible verse. And he says to me, listen, check me on the word. James 1, I believe it's 16, 17, or somewhere right there. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, of whom there is no variable or shadow of turning. I was like, it's you. You know, it's my father. And that thing, this, I pull this thing out, and it's shining blue. And I said, what is it? And he said, it's a tesseract. I was like, I need another Bible verse. I don't think there's a tesseract in the Bible. He says, yes, there is, Ephesians 3.18. That you may comprehend the love a love that surpasses the knowledge Paul will talk about in the height, the length, the width, and the depth. He said, how many dimensions? I was like, four. Four, four dimensions. And, and I, I come down out of that space, and I'm sitting there in a seat next to Stephen again. I said, why? He said, my church has got to know me in a three-dimensional spatial state, but I want them to know me in time as love. I want you to know me. I want you to love me. In the future tense, the past tense, I want you to, like, take off the shame, future tense. Let go of the guilt, past tense, and get in the present moment with me and experience my love for you as your sons and daughters. Be in the middle of relating with me. Um, You've learned me in three-dimensional love, but I want you to learn me in four-dimensional love. I want you to learn me in time and space and know me in love. Well, that's been five years. And, uh, Stephen, have we not been through some stuff? And our wives can attest to it, and many of you can attest to it for your own life. But have we not been learning to love? Whew, that's, that's not easy. See, God is love. All right. So the Word invites us ministry into fifth dimension. Now, with our text this morning, I, what I want you to see what happens when a high priest, okay, you are familiar with the high priest of Israel, right? And them going in, how many times a year? Right, they'll go into the what place? Most holy, or we call it the holy of holies. The next dimension of holiness is at the throne room level. Holy, 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 they say, right? And a high priest is able to go in and what? Intercede on behalf of the nation for their sins. If that man's not right before the Lord, what happens to him? Kill him dead. Listen, what what I'm talking to you, preaching today is some serious material. You you can feel it in yourself when we're bumping up against that place and yourself is saying, ah, 
<laughs> I got to let go of some stuff. You know why? Because holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy is he and righteous and true and filled with love. Now the man goes into this place and there's an angel. His name's Gabriel, sent from the presence of the Lord. And we, didn't, we did this last week, but he prophesied to, there's a man coming forth in the spirit and the power of Elijah. What is the spirit and power of Elijah? To call the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. It's the, heart, it's the restoration of family. The family is going to be restored. There's a spirit of Elijah coming forth, and he's going to be a man filled with a call to repentance, a call to holiness. Not harsh holiness, happy holiness. <laughs> holiness that comes from God, the righteousness of God. The righteousness that he gives you, not a righteousness that you're trying to attain unto, a righteousness that you've received from him that's been imputed to you freely and imparted as you say yes to him. A righteousness that you can't have upon your own, but Abraham was justified by faith. Why? Because he believed God and it was accounted unto him for what? Righteousness. Think about that. Think about being in right standing with the Lord because your mechanism is one of faith. Now, so look at, look at what happens in the text. Hey, this great end time move is coming. And as it is in the first advent, so shall it be in this advent. The second advent, you know what I'm saying, the breaking of the Lord. So shall it be now that the spirit of Elijah will begin to move on the sons and daughters all over the place. And so he says, how can I be sure of this? And isn't that all of us? <laughs> I mean, hey. Give me a sign, Lord. You know, I need some other way to know. Are you sure you're speaking to me? You mean, you, you, you're telling me this? Notice with me, notice with me, he says this. Now listen. Remember who we're talking about here the high priest of Israel, okay? This guy's holy, and he's struggling. The most holy man in the whole nation is struggling. The guy everybody else is looking for leadership from is struggling. And he says this, I'm an old man, and my wife is old as well. Zachariah just committed a big faux pas. Y'all know what that is. He just based God's miracle dimension off of what he can see. He, he just, he, he basically just said, the most holy man, the guy that's going in to intercede for, he just forgot that the Lord took them across the Red Sea. He, he forgot how God fed them manna out in the wilderness. He forgot all of a sudden that they crossed the Jordan on dry ground. He just forgot in a moment, even in the very presence of God, in the most holy place, he forgot and made a statement. How can this be? He based it in the dimension of time. In the dimension of the space of time, the dimension of time based in age. Now, mind you, the Lord said to me, you know, I'm taking this ministry into the fifth dimension. 
you're going to basically enter into a place that's outside of XYZ, let me share with this, dimension from left to right, dimension forwards and backwards, up and down, and then time. So there, you go through a, a, a time and you say, let me just try to explain this to you. When, when, when we set up the Facebook invite for you to come to this place, <clears throat> it says on there that it's at such and such a street. Now we're off of, I believe it is, is it Eagle Street and Market Street, right? Two dimensions. Eagle and Market intersecting. Then we will put in there, come up on the second floor and you can come into the auditorium. Third dimension, X, Y, Z. But what did we also let you know? What time the meeting is going to be? 10 a.m. 10 to 10.30, warm up, and then we're going to go out and we're going to do this thing. There's a time. There's a time. So there's an X, a Y, a Z, and a time and space. When, when, when Gabriel's speaking to Zechariah, he's saying, hey, according to my time, according to my age, I'm too old, my wife's too old. There's no way for us to have a baby. But see, God is the one who dwells outside of what? God is, is, is inviting him through the angel Gabriel to step into another dimension. Now, now what is interesting about where he's at, the most holy place, is that's the place on earth where he is interacting within, I believe, the fifth dimension. Let me try to explain this, because I did a bunch of reading this week of, of a scientist and particle physicist and mathematics, and hey, listen, it blows all my circuits. But let me try to help you in some way to understand this. And I asked the Holy Spirit this morning, I said, how can I help them with this? He said, remember when you were in the centrifuge out in New Mexico? Now, I was going into the F-15 Strike Eagle as a weapon system officer. And before you can get that position, you have to go out to New Mexico and be tested in a centrifuge. What, do you all know what a centrifuge is? Okay, some of you know, you get in like a little capsule. They put us in a G-suit. So it'll basically give you one more G of, of um, protection. And um, to protect you from your blood basically going all the way to your head and basically knocking you out. Now, that's a positive G. If you go through a negative G, all the blood from your head drains to your feet. But we were to pull positive Gs in a centrifuge. And there was four or five of us guys that were being selected to go into F-15 Strike Eagle, my class. And if we don't pass this profile, we don't go there. We have to go to the B-1B um, Lancer which is uh, a bomber aircraft with big sweat wing, big four engine thing is really cool. But I wanted F-15 Strike Eagle because it's a fighter jet and, you know, and want to go fast and run the edge, you know. And so I'm like, oh, Lord, I hope I prayed up and I hope I'm physically not going to be emaciated today. And they, they, they get you in there and they lock you down and uh, put you in a little thing and it sits on the edge of an arm. There's like a centerpiece and then an arm, and you're inside of a room kind of like this, but it's round, and you're in a little bubble capsule. They got you on video, and they start spinning that thing like this, and they just kind of warm you up, and you do like a little warm-up set, and that thing, and then, okay, um, lieutenant, 
That's two G's. And you're like, you know, like, and they teach you how to breathe. It's called the hick maneuver. And you put the, the, your tongue at the top of your, uh, whatever this is called. You put it at the top of it and you let little spurts of air come out so you don't pass out. And it's like, and you're breathing like that. So there's a breathing mechanism. Okay, we're going to spin this thing up. I can't remember. We had to go through a certain set of profiles. And the purpose of our profile for the F-15 Strike Eagle, I think they had to spin us up to seven or seven and a half Gs. Now, in an aircraft, the G load is not on the pilot or the WISO. It's somewhere else on the aircraft. So if you're flying, you don't legitimately pull this much as you pull in the capsule because the capsule is giving real-time Gs on your person. And so they're like, all right, we're going to spin this thing up to six. Uh, slow onset. So it's like, and oh, it's like someone took a, the only way I know how to put it is like, they took a thousand baseball bats and hit you right in the chest. You're just like, boom, you know, and just trying to take it like a man, you know. <laughs> I'm like, bring it, you know. And uh, no, not, and they're like, check, check right, check left. Or they, they say, you know, check your six. And you're like, your face is like this. You know, you should, I have the video somewhere. It's hilarious. It looks like you just aged like a thousand years in your face because all your bones are sticking out. And then look left and then he's like, okay, back it off. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Rapid onset, whatever it was, seven and a half Gs. Not, not like we're going to build up and get you uh, acclimated, but rapid. Boom, seven and a half Gs. And they hold it there for a period of time. Well, you, what happens to you is you, if you G-lock is what it's called, if you G-lock, uh, you pass out. And, man, we were laughing. My buddies, a, bunch, a couple of them passed out. And, of course, I felt bad for them because they're not going to go to the F-15 Strike Eagle. And I'm hoping I'm not laughing at them because I myself am going to pass out. Because, you know, that was pride, you know. Well, I'm, I'm more of a man than you are. <laughs> I got to wrestle with it, uh, arm wrestle with this guy this week, Bob Kelly down here. I gave it all I had, but, man, he let me have it. That is an arm wrestler. Any of you men want arm wrestling? Go ahead. He'll rescue, wrestle you for the bill. <laughs> I lost. <laughs> I was like, I got this guy. No, I didn't. <laughs> it's just like... In the centrifuge, and all of a sudden, rapid onset, seven and a half Gs, boom, boom. And there comes the darkness. Anybody ever passed out? We used to do it on purpose. With, well, don't ever do that, kids. But we did it to our friends growing up. And it, it was kind of neat until one guy stayed out for 15 minutes and became Wolverine. And that was kind of freaky scary. And I said, I'll never do that again. I'm not going to tell you all how to do it. But all of a sudden, the darkness starts to come in like this. And it gets down to this, like, little hole like this. And it's like this. And I'm looking through it, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go out. You know, I'm like, Jesus, 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 i got to be a 15 driver. I can't be one of those bomber guys, you know, because I, I won't be able to see anything, and I won't be somebody in my life. I want to be somebody, you know. i got to be the 1% of the 1%. And I'm like, please forgive me of all my sins and everything, you know. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, boom, and the thing's off. I made it. But I, I was saying to the Lord this morning, I said, how do I explain the fifth dimension and what was happening to Zachariah? And he said, tell him about this, the centrifuge. 
because it's real pressure that you and I are going through. This isn't some kind of made up thing. When the enemy's coming against you and assaulting you and your family and pressure's coming around you and there's a health-related issue, there's a financial thing that doesn't line up and there's another relationship that's getting tested and the pressure's coming all around you and you're like, and, and, and you're learning to love. But there's pressure and it's real. What you're going through and I'm going through is real. The enemy's coming in. In like a flood, and, and the Lord says, you know, when he comes in like a flood, I'll raise up what? A standard of righteousness. Pressure's real. and I, you're in, you're, you're, What the Lord's wanting to do is take you outside of yourself. He's ready to restore something to you and to bless you and bring you into some great move of his spirit. And he's like, hold on. And I'll tell you this, hold on in my love. The greatest force in these dimensions is to know that you're loved and you're a lover. That you were made for love. I learned it this week with my son on Monday. I had someone call me. They're kind of giving me down the road. It's really breaking my heart. And just... Assault after assault after assault. I said, please let me get off the phone. No, be a man and take it like a man. You know, this is really. And I said, Lord, what's going on? He said, it's not right. And I said, it's, 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 it was demonically inspired. Even though there was a rightness in what was being said, it was done in the wrong way in the wrong time. I'm sitting under that pressure, and then I try to resolve it through 12 o'clock, almost 12 o'clock midnight up into Monday night. And I'm going into the next day, and... Our prayer team meets on Tuesdays and Fridays for this ministry at 1230 to 230 at Rafi's and Deborah's house. And I, I was just so under it that morning. And, and Leander, my, my youngest son that was run around here uh, in a place of freedom, I, uh, I was just, you know, so bothered inside and and, and, and Leander says, I can't go to school. And he's, you know, sort of crying and everything. And I'm like, son, you got to push through. You know, and daddy's going to have to discipline you. And I, and I said that, I'm going to have to discipline you if you don't get out of the vehicle at Veritas. And his siblings get out, and he just loses it in tears. And he's sitting in the truck, and Carol looks at me. He's like, there's no way he's going to be able to push through this. And um, I pull around to CVS Pharmacy right there off Cane Creek Road. I pull behind there, and um, I'm feeling that pain because... Part of the way I understand things, if you say something, you got to keep your word, and I'm going to have to discipline him. And now I'm feeling bad for even saying that. I'm starting to feel some guilt related to that. And Kara, she, she, she holds him in her arms, and she says to me, you know how you've been talking about perception? And I said, yeah. She said, just allow yours to be changed right now. And I, and I was like, oh, it's that easy? And I just bought, dialed out of my problem right there, and I just said, you know what? What's going on, Lord? And he says, your son needs you. And um, <laughs> he comes over and gets in my arms, and he just puts his head on my head, my shoulder right here, and he's, he wraps himself up in my arms. And I'm holding him, and I was like, I oh, love this kid. I wouldn't have missed this moment for the world was to be with him. I felt so much love going between us. And I was like, I can't believe I was telling him, Get off that, get out, get out of the truck and go to school. I can't believe it. I'm sort of ashamed of myself, but the Lord, while I'm holding him, the Lord says to me, He says, I love you. 
And because I've been under pressure, pressure, pressure. We had some sickness going on in our family. We're, you know, literally out of finance. I don't know how I'm going to get gas that day. I don't know what I'm going to do. And the Lord's arranged all this. I know. I trust, you know, trust him. But I, I just felt like, oh, this love just come out and my tears started to flow. And the Lord's like, just live in my love. Don't force the emotions. Don't push on them. And I'm like, love is such a different thing because like, we got to push through. And he's like, not on this, not on love. You wait on me and let me love you. Get my arms wrapped around you. I'm modeling this with my son. I'm being, it's being done to me by the father. I realized that all of a sudden, me and Leander, we go take a walk together. He picks his mom some flowers. I don't ask him to. He's running in the field. We have this walk. I get to call another brother and pray over his family. That family gets their prayer request answered. Like right within an hour of the prayer, all three requests get answered. All of a sudden, bing, someone sends some funds. I'm able to get gas. I'm going to be able to buy something to eat. Pressure. I pull up to get gas. I get on the phone with Bob. And there's this couple behind me. And they're in a car, and the Lord says, fill their tank up with gas. And I said, gladly. I'm glad to do it. And there's a black man, I believe, and his, his daughter. I go up to their car. They're a little bit afraid of me. And I say, I just smile at them and just like, I, you know, I love you, you know. And it, can, I, can I put gas in your car? Oh, yes, sir, you can. <laughs> and, um, and it was just so fascinating to me. I said, can I touch your car? And they said, please do. And I put gas. And I let Bob go. And Bob falls on his face before the Lord. He told me just crying out for them and the spirit of God boom, sweeping his name was Percival and her name was Stephanie you know I waited five years for Percival because Percival was the guy in mythology in King Arthur's court that goes into the castle holds up the grail cup and it heals the whole land and the Holy Spirit said the crown of Stephanie comes from the word Stephanos or from the word Stephen, and it means the crowned one. And there sits the castle and the crown. It's beautiful people. The Holy Spirit's like, you see what I'm doing? Do you see what it's like to go through the fifth dimension? And listen to me. Pressure's everywhere around. It takes everything for us to believe the Lord. The black hole is coming all around us. It's, it's pushing in on us. It's, it's telling us there's no way through this. And, and, and there is. It's Job talked about, he says, there's a path that no man knoweth. The birds don't even know it. It's the path of wisdom. There's this space. It, I, I was asking the Lord to show me this again. He's like, yeah, they say that it's like a curled up space that can't be perceived by the eye. And I saw it this morning. That's why I was like, I saw it in the heavens. I, I, I saw, we got launched out in prayer, worship, and I saw two lights. And I said, Lord, what's those two lights? By the end of the meeting, he told me what they were. Because they say the fifth dimension has, it's like a straw that's in the atmosphere. You, you can't get to it. And I, and I believe this by the Holy Spirit, unless the Lord led you to it. And what happens is that light will align so now it wouldn't be two lights on the end of a straw. It'd be one light, and you go through it into a whole other reality. Some of you might think, 
where did that crazy guy come up with all this stuff? <laughs> I mean, where did you get that? I never saw that in a text before. <laughs> Fifth dimension. The, it lines up all of a sudden. The pressure's coming around it and, it, and this is mathematically right and sound and scientifically right and sound. But that straw can line itself up and then you go slingshot right through. They say it's like negative... Uh, 10 to times negative 33rd power. That's how small it is. And you go through this little tiny place out on the other side, boom. And I, I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit's like, do you see how, do you see what's going on with Zechariah? Do you see what's going on? How do you line up for this? You line up in the love of the Father. Everything's trying to get us out of that because, listen, the Lord knows, and, and the enemy knows this, if he can get you and me to draw back, you'll miss your destiny. And that destiny for every single one of us is sitting in the fifth dimension right now, available for you to access. And the Lord says in Hebrews, any man that draws back, my soul has what? No pleasure. Why? It's not because the Lord isn't pleased with you. It's because he wants you to have all in the grace of God that's been available for you. And the enemy is assaulting God's people, telling them that they can't access this place. Zechariah was there. And unbelief tries to come and crowd in around us and question the Father's love for you and I. To tell us that somehow he's going to leave you high and dry. To get you to focus on yourself, another person, your finance, or to get you focused on your health-related issues. And the Lord's like, no, the pressure's there to lead you into a new reality. On the other side of it was two souls. On the other side of it, there was provision for our family. On the other side of love was connection to breakthrough for someone else's family. On the other side of it was freedom and health. On the other side of it is transcendent glory and vitality. On the other side of it is your miracle. I'm Gabriel who stands where? In the presence of God. I want to speak to you and bring you this good news. And now because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in what? Their time. You will be silent, unable to speak until the day these things take place. Zechariah had a wrong perception, and God gave him a prescription. What was his prescription? Silence. Hey, buddy, you have so much influence. Listen to me. Kara brought this up on the way in this morning. You and me, we don't realize how much influence is coming out of your mouth. Your words have either life or death in them. You, you, death and life is in what? Power of the tongue. He doesn't realize how powerful of an anointing he's operating in. He's paying attention to four spatial and one time dimension, and it's getting him colluded where he can't see the miracle dimension of God. His perception is off. And because of that, the Lord has to give him a prescription. John, you're going to have to, excuse me, Zachariah, you're going to have to be quiet. Because 
Son, if you keep on saying these things, it's going to backfire so bad on you, and I love you so much, but there's a Baptist coming forward, and I can't get this guy to be Zachariah the Baptist. <laughs> His name's going to be John. I want you to pronounce a prophetic word that is right in season because I don't want the church 2,000 years from now saying Zachariah the Baptist. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, listen to this. Now the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they began to wonder, why has he been delayed so much in that place? Our culture, this materialistic, consumeristic culture, is always telling us, get her done right now. Make it happen. you got to get it done. If you don't get it done, you know, yeah, anybody know what I'm talking about? We got ATMs, we got drive-throughs, and get whatever we want, and get whatever we want. And the Lord's like, could you just wait with me a little bit? They're like marveling what's taking him so long. I, they may be thinking, is the man dead? We don't know. We're going to have to drag him out. There's, our culture today has told us, not more in the West, because when I went to Germany, when I was in the Air Force, I'm like hungry and we go sit down at a restaurant. Anybody been to Germany and ate over there? Like an hour later, I finally got my drink with no ice. <laughs> and I was like, what is up with y'all? Well, we like to relate to one another. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I want to eat. I didn't come to your restaurant because where's my ice too? <laughs> I don't like hot Coke. And go get my... Kaiser schnitzel is what I had, but I was like, go get my Kaiser schnitzel. I'm wanting to eat right now, an hour later. You know, in our culture, because it's so com consumeristic, materialistic, it's not taught us to wait. And this is very important. If you're going to move in a dimension of faith with the Lord, you have to wait on him like you would wait a table. You attend unto him. Your, your focus is on him. You're not there to say a bunch of things. I've, I've learned you can, you can uh, give your petitions to the Lord. You can say things to him, but there comes a moment when you need to be quiet. There's a wonderful prayer called the prayer of quiet. It's when your soul just finally stills it down. Everything stops. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The mystics called it contemplative prayer, but it's when you go into another place, a place of the quiet, the place of the stillness where... It's not about me and these things, but right now I've let everything come down where I can listen to the Lord. He comes out, he can't speak to them. They realize that they had seen a vision in the holy place because he was making signs to them. When his time of service was over, he went home. I could probably preach that part, but I won't right now. After some time, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant, and for five months, she kept herself in seclusion. I, I'm not here to say why a person keeps himself in seclusion. You ever wanted a promise so bad? And sometimes it just seems too good to be true. You ever known people, they're like, they get pregnant, but they don't want anybody to know because in the past, they've lost children. I don't know if that's ever happened to any of you, but... You get pregnant, and then you have a miscarriage. That's happened to numbers of people. And then when the next baby comes, they say, don't say anything until we know for sure. 
that this baby's going to live because we don't want to upset everybody and be upset by the joy or the sadness that comes with that. And so Elizabeth is taking this promise. The Lord's impregnated her, said, you know, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to hold back. I'm not going to say anything. And there's something to be said about that. And my wife is really good on this. She's really modeled this for me about holding the promise of God and waiting till it's time for it to be pregnant and birth forward and then release, right? She said, I love this. Let's stand together. Listen, because there's going to become a transaction for you this morning. The, the Lord just shared this with me before I started this message for you. Now listen to me. Please listen. In the grace of God right now, there's a promise being made available for you. There's an arm. He told me this morning, he said, my outstretched arm is reaching down to them. Just reach up and grab. Go through, go through the gates, Isaiah 62. Take out the stumbling block. Make room for my people, says the Lord. I'm going to bring in a great harvest. Five months, she kept herself in seclusion. Listen, 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 listen. This is what the Lord has done for me. Hey, let that go into you, okay? I want you to receive this. The Holy Spirit wants you to receive this right now. Oh, you've been waiting, you've been waiting, you've been waiting before the Lord. You've been, you got a call on your life. You got a ministry before the Lord. It's many of you, you've been hidden in caves, you've been hidden in places, and nobody knows who you are. And you've been holding on to something that's very precious to you. Listen, the Lord wants to do something for you today. For you, for you, for you, for you, for you, for you, for you. sits outside of space-time. The Lord sits in the heavens and does whatever He pleases. And he is pleased to save you and pleased to redeem you from the curse and from your fallen state to redeem you to Himself and to give you a place among those that are here. Everything's trying to tell you it's not true. Stephen and I have talked about this many times. Everything's trying to tell you that the call that's on your life is not true. There are things attacking you and assaulting you and coming against you. They're trying to tell you that he doesn't love you or you'll never step into that dimension of faith. And I want you to hear me this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. Don't come into unbelief. Reach through up into the heavens. And say this, like she said, this is what the Lord done, has done for me. I'm going to testify of your greatness, Lord. I'm going to testify of your goodness because of what you did for me.
That's the best testimony, the one that was done for you. I've redeemed you, says the Lord. I've called you by my glorious name. You have a special place among the ones that stand here. Nobody can take your place. Nobody can have what God gave you. He imprinted onto you his very own special design. You are you are precious to him. You are glorious unto him. He loves you with an everlasting love. He desires you with an affection and a longing that is beyond our spatial senses. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, that comes against the sons and daughters of, of you as king. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, against our health to come against us in our health. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, that comes to keep us bound without provision. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, that upsets our relationships among one another. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Y'all receive the clean turban of the Lord. Receive righteousness over yourself. Receive the beauty of God and what He's designed for you. Receive the ability again to run to the presence of the Lord, to flee into His presence and say, I'm loved to be a lover. I'm longed for, I'm wanted, I'm desired because He loves me. And I'm not forcing my emotions or my thoughts anymore. I'm resting in faith. I'm resting in your goodness to me, your provision to me, your blessing over me and my family. My family, listen, my family will be restored. The people that I'm called to minister to, there's so many ministry callings sitting in here right now. Power evangelism, power prophetic, the power in the apostolic, the power in the the power in the pastorate, the power in the teaching, and the nine calling and nine ministry gifts. There's so much in here right now. We can literally take the world for Christ. He's been gracious to me. I I love this. And he will take the disgrace off of me that has been among me and his people. I moved out in faith and tumbled. <laughs> Anybody ever risked it all for love and it just didn't come out the way you thought it would? Everybody's kind of looking at you and says, see, I told you, I told you, I told you. The word says, no, she says, he'd take, he'd take the disgrace off of you among his people. We receive from you this morning. We receive, Lord. We can't do this ourselves, Lord, but we just receive from you this morning. Receive. Receive from the Lord. Stephen singing this song um, we're going to prepare to take communion together and so what we just ask for you to do is come forward and um, partake of the communion and we'll take the communion together as a whole family okay
He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. Can you praise the Lord with me? Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I praise your name, Lord. I bless your name. Oh, I give you thanks, Lord. I bless your name. For you are righteous and holy and true, and you are good. And you are the one we desire. And we thank you so much for desiring us, Lord. We thank you for everything that you've done for us. And may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Bless you today. Amen.